Thanks everybody for joining us. This is Saturn Dave. I've already got my pregame drink on. And uh, cheers, Bob. Uh, we got Bob from Retro RGB joining us just to shoot the shit about Saturn. And uh, we don't <laughs> we don't really have any plans for this show. There's no uh, the biggest news right this week is that this today is basically like the the Super Bowl of the Saturn community. Uh, because Sega Extreme is hosting the 27th anniversary Sega Saturn game competition. And, uh, of course, we've got uh, an Emerald, organized by Emerald Nova, of course. And uh, there are several entries to that. And Pat is going to be doing like a five-hour streamathon this evening, uh, starting at 7 p.m. So, yeah, this is kind of like the pregame show. We're just going to talk about, I don't know, talk about Bob's favorite Saturn games or whatever. <laughs> Well, I definitely want to talk about the competition a little bit, too, because okay. um, hopefully there's going to be a few people jumping on watching this that maybe, you know, heard of you and seen all of your podcasts or a bunch of your podcasts, but aren't 100 percent on board or like up to date, I guess, not on board with uh, with this. So the celebration started in 2019, and it basically is a coding contest for people to make their own homebrew on the Saturn, right? Correct. Yes. And it's there's so like no, no, you're not making everybody play in one box other than the Saturn. So it could be anything anybody wants as long as it's something coded from scratch on the Saturn, right? Correct. Yeah. Anybody, you could, there's a, there's one category for original games. There's a category for patches and translations. And then there's a category for tools or utilities. And uh, I apologize to anybody if this stream is kind of borked. I don't know. YouTube says I'm sending them more bits than than it expects, but hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody's uh, watching okay and everything's good. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we it wouldn't be a show show without technical difficulties. But anyway, yeah, getting back to what you're saying, the it's it's a contest now that's been going on for three. This is the third year, and this is the biggest year. And with every year, the the community grows and and new people come into the scene, and and uh, it's just great. You know, it just keeps growing and new projects. It's it's really fun to see. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just uh, I'm scrolling through the post um, on Retro RGB that uh, I read it yesterday when it went live, but I'm just kind of going back through it to see and just kind of admire the the different submissions and the different stuff that you have on here. It was just uh, it's so impressive what what people do with just like you know just because they feel like it, right? You know, it's like I'm in the mood to do this, and then somebody says, "Oh, you know that that's impossible," and they're like, "Oh, yes. really?" <laughs> and then here you go. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Um... So several years back, I want to say I don't I don't even know which if it was like 2014 I think Johannes Fetz he kind of uh, he developed this engine this this development kit called Joe Engine and that kind of uh, you know that kick started you know people messing around on the Saturn you know writing some C code using the the SGL. Uh, kind of you know getting their hands dirty with either 2D and 3D stuff you know um, and then it just like went from there like uh, XL2 downloaded it uh, messed around with it for a little bit he had never done like a game like this but like just started just started making stuff and then you had the you had the Sonic demo Sonic Z Dream I guess it was like Sonic X Dream but it was like a an ode to that it was called Sonic Z Dream he submitted that and that uh, you know helped him go from there to get better and then on that engine he started messing around with like a first person shooter thing and then that turned into hell slave and then before you know it you've got like 
you know, Ponut, uh, Ponut 64 doing like a pony game running around uh, with like crazy uh, moon physics, you know, moon bounce and, and all sorts of, you know, jumping through rings and stuff like that. And then, you know, fast forward to like this past year. We had folks like Danthrax and uh, and Greg uh, Lacquerware who just kind of like reached out on our, on our Twitter and were like, "Oh, we would really be interested in uh, getting involved, um, you know, doing like a, a a game patch." And then uh, they got started on Bulk Slash, and with within nine months, you know, they were uh, they were off to the races and and put out one of the most amazing and ambitious uh, patches that I've ever seen, you know, in, in Bulk Slash. Yeah. Yeah, that was really incredible. And, you know, just I'd sort of gotten to know Derek a little bit. Uh, Derek Pascarilla. I, hopefully I'm saying his name right. I, I, my apologies. I, I'm the notorious for getting everyone's name wrong and probably mine sometimes do. So it's never intentional. I apologize. But mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of got to know him over Twitter because he just messaged me one time like, hey, I watch your show and I think you'd be interested in this. And I was like, yes, yes, I am interested in that. Uh, and I just kind of been following the the work he's uh, he's passed me. Some of it was most of it. He's been a part of some of it he just kind of passed along like hey you know uh, i'm aware of this going on you might be interested and uh, it's a uh, it's kind of cool to see the different stuff people do but the bulk slash thing was just nuts and i i mean listen if you have translated a title screen i am indebted to you and i i thank you for that but like so i'm not trying to take away from other people's work but holy crap the amount of work that went into that one was nuts mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was, was absolutely cool. nuts. Um, and you know, some you had you had it's funny you had some haters who are who are like the kind of folks who who don't like dubs, you know, and they were like, oh, you should have just you should have just done a translation and let that be that. But I but I'm sitting here thinking like, well, I've been playing Bulk Slash for years, the Japanese version, and it's totally beatable and enjoyable, right? In Japanese, it wasn't that that kind yeah. of game that you couldn't play in Japanese. So it's like. If you really want that experience and you want a total weeb out, just play the Japanese version, for goodness sake, you know? Right, it's not like they're taking away the Japanese version. It's just that, you know, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I immediately stop paying attention to people when they talk like that. Yeah. My, my favorite was a book aficionado that said, you know, oh, I would never get a Kindle. The whole point of reading is you open the page and you... you you feel the page crinkle and I kind of teased her about it. It's a friend of mine for a long time. And yeah, yeah. I show up at her house one time. I was like, what's that on your kitchen table? No way. And she gets all <laughs> embarrassed. She's like, you know, it's the coolest thing I've ever bought. I can carry like every book with me. And when I finish one, I immediately start another. I was yeah. like, Oh, what happened to crinkle in the page? And you never owned one. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> it's so, so true. I mean, we were talking about this on, uh, on the interview we did with you. We were talking about like, media and how you interact with it um it's nice to for example it's nice to have the mister you know it's also nice to have real hardware it really just kind of depends if what your thing is and you could even do both like pat he's one of those guys i know he loves to rock like a an ipod with a 60 gig heart or i don't know how many gigs he's got like a terabyte on there actually now that i remember it's like a you know and he's got like all this stuff in lossless flack but at the same time he collects vinyl because he likes to the ritual of like dropping a needle on a record and 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 collecting the boxes and stuff so you don't have to limit yourself you can do both you know and i i feel like what they did with the bulk slash translation was just i haven't seen that i have not seen that in any other scene you know going that far to that degree but yeah this is really great. So yeah. I have to ask, like, what is your? Oh, sorry. I think you might be buffering a little bit. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, 
Yeah, okay, great. So what is what would you say your favorite translation or your favorite your favorite translated game has been? And it doesn't have to be a Saturn game, it could be like across any platform. I mean, hands down I have one that stands above all of the rest, and it's the BS Zelda for SNES. Oh yes. Where much like Bulk Slash, a bunch of voice actors got together, mm-hmm. a couple of pro voice actors helped too, um, and they redid the whole thing. And you know, that's a link to the past is one of my favorite you know, that and Super Metroid are my two favorite games of all time. And it's like you know, just to have another way to experience that that I never knew existed, and and you know, to 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 the people's point that didn't like translations, if the voice actors were terrible, it would have taken away from it. So I mm. do actually agree there. But the voice actors were so good that it it actually made the written text like the text started to take away from it. Like no, that now you're supposed to get sucked in and you're supposed to listen to the voice narrating and then yeah, that that one really blew me away. I, mm-hmm. I just I really appreciated the heck out of that one but there's been a whole bunch that i've played over the years and it's just uh, i liked them all so much in the moment um but none of them made such an impact on me because i didn't grow up with one game to have a completely different perspective on it 30 um, yeah 30 years later so that's right. the one that's the real reason that one really sticks out it's because i don't even think most people know what that is i keep bugging a certain uh long-haired meathead to go and do a documentary about that <laughs> may or may not be a cdi fan in a bathrobe but, uh... <laughs> he's got to do it in a bathrobe <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, I really hope um, you know. With with respect to all of the amazing people out there, there's really only a handful that could pull off a documentary on that and get it right. Um, you know, I, I'm absolutely sure Pandemonium could, but it's not a Saturn game, so right. clearly that's not happening. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's a hell that I really would love to see to just dive in deep and go full OCD and and really get the stories behind both of them because a lot of people get confused. There were two. There were the one with the original Zelda that was very good, but the SNES one was with the voice actors and everything. Yeah, I absolutely love his videos. In fact, uh, that's one of the reasons that I noticed Nick's videos in the first place was that it was very reminiscent of Yahal. Uh, and like his catapult video that he did on the on the netlinks or not the netlink stuff but the x-band stuff one of my favorites i absolutely love that i've watched it a couple times and uh his attention to detail and research is excellent it's like second to none so i really love it that video stands out and i mean this with all of you know i I love we like teasing each other a lot I, i mean this seriously but i also mean this with all the respect in the world to him i'm not sure if he'll ever be able to beat that one only because the people that he interviewed in that were all so freaking likable. It's like, like, what are the chances of you finding like ten incredibly likable people and mixing it with an, a really interesting and passionate story? Like, it's mm. gonna be hard to top that one. Not because of his skills as a documentarian, but only because, like, those were some awesome interviews. Like when they were blowing stuff up in the parking lot. Like all those great stories. <laughs> where it's just like, man, that was really cool. That was worth watching that's part of game history too it's like the stories that went on during the making of the games is the stuff that like a lot of us would never know about without documentaries like that and it's like if that stuff is lost to time i i think it would be a shame like i think that's just as important as collecting all of the like physical ephemera you know getting those stories down uh, like Nick did this story with Mike Tolman of uh, about the virtual racing game, you know, and just the all the little tidbits that he gives you that really flesh out the development of that game and give me a greater appreciation for the game uh, in general, you know. So yeah, I love that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, you know, it's funny too, though, because like those, uh, uh, you know, the Saturn really also played into my favorite games because you know I don't really know which one is my favorite, Zelda or Metroid, Super Metroid or Into the Past, but some very close seconds are daytona mm. outrun and mortal kombat one all arcade versions so oh, nice. yeah. daytona for me was one of those games where it was just like i don't know why I, maybe what really drew me to it was the four player mm-hmm. but like what what drew me to it was that but what kept me coming back and keeps me coming back obviously isn't isn't that one memory the first time i saw it i just i think it's so much fun of a racing game and it's the perfect combination of incredibly simple to figure out uh, but really hard to tie, you know, especially in the the beginner track, timing that one sharp left hand jump and you know, riding behind other cars so that you get their drift, so you get an extra right. two miles an hour or whatever was programmed in. So I think for me that that was the Saturn for me. It was just like I saw this amazing looking console with a halo and a light shining on it, with the thought of playing <laughs> Daytona just like in the arcade. So yeah, that that for me was like yeah. what really always wanted to draw me to the system. And then of course I found a lot of other stuff, and even now through following all of you i've found games that i'm embarrassed to say i've never played because when i uh when i hear you all talk about them it seems like everybody knows about these but me like i still right. haven't played dragon force How weird is oh, that right yeah you know that's not that weird though because it's well it's weird but it's not <laughs> you know the thing is you can't be heavily invested in every single scene you know in every single console i've i've yeah. had my head stuck so far in saturn for a long time that it's like I don't really know a whole lot of what's going on in like the GameCube scene, for example. Like I know the games are stupid expensive. I know that there's a lot of disc rot going on. I know that uh, I know there's some absolutely phenomenal GameCube games because I mean I used to I used to collect for GameCube and stuff like that, but I've just fallen off of it. So because when you really when you get collecting for an expensive system, you kind of go whole hog there, and it, you're not able to really pay attention. You know, especially if you become a content creator in a specific scene, you're you have to pay attention to what's going on in that scene. So I don't really blame you for that. But you know, Dragon yeah. Force Dragon Force is an excellent game that I think a lot of people get scared away from because at the beginning it's very menu driven. And if you just get into those menus and you're just like, okay, so what is this game all about? You're walking on a map, you got all these like domestic affairs and stuff like that. You have to hold court and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, at the beginning, it's kind of, I didn't know what to make of it. And I actually had to watch a tutorial by um, one of my friends, Chas Picardi, in order to really get into it. And then it was just mm. like, after spending like an hour and like, oh, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Once you get into the battles and you start seeing all those sprites and stuff, it's, it's a phenomenal game. I definitely... It, it went from, like, not on my radar to being, like, one of my top games for the Saturn. Just like that. It's that good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like, not, you know, I'm not sucking up because I'm here. I'm, everybody follows my channel knows I could be a bit of an asshole. I'm just being honest in that, like, that's yeah. why I'm so grateful for, for all of you because I would have never found out about a lot of these games. And even Bulk Slash, like, I admit I had no idea oh, yeah. what that game was. And then I saw the translation and I saw the game and I was like another freaking mech game that mm-hmm. you could play with the control like yeah. my mind just so yeah, and, yeah. Uh, i actually haven't even played it yet because i'm waiting till i am at a friend's house that has the controller so we could just sit down and make a thing about it so you know crank yeah. up the stereo you know hear all the sounds and i know i've seen the videos and stuff and i just uh, oh yeah a lot of you know i'm kind of like that with certain things like some games are meant to just be experienced anywhere like tetris mm-hmm. you could do that on your phone and it's it's 99 as good as everywhere else but like stuff like that like i want to do it on a crt 
CRT. I want to do it with some nice speakers. Yes. I want to do it with a controller. And Get the twin stick. I don't always have the opportunity to, but I would love to do that with a friend that loves that stuff as much as me. Uh, a friend of mine, um, Destiny FOMO, I'm sure you've yeah. probably heard of her, but her and her fiance are both big into Saturn. And like, uh, if I lived in the city, like the day that I, if I still lived in the city, like if I hadn't moved, the day that thing came out, I would have like called up either Beast or Ben and been like, "Grab your, grab your controller. We're we're going over Destinies to play this shit." Like, nice. It would have been a thing. Like, yeah, we that would have just like met up. But it, that would be a perfect I game too away. for that. Like, it's a it's one to two hours maybe. You know, depending on your playthrough. And uh, it, like you said, you you're a big guitar fan, so you know you'll love like the yeah. sound the soundtrack just. It smacks and in turn it up to eleven, you know, crank that, sh- crank it up. It it sounds great, you know. Uh, so yeah, that that's definitely a game to that would be fun experiencing with friends and definitely playing with the twin stick. Yeah, thanks to Night of Dragon for patching that support in. Um, Hell yeah, yeah, yeah and and all you. those guys for for all the work that they did on it. And also Knight of Dragon, I mean, Vakenroder, he just he just dropped that for the competition, you know? And that was oh, kind of yeah, a right. Yeah, that was kind of a brute force thing because he said it was not an easy. Like it was not one of those things where it, it was just it, it's a very painful, slow process and he had to like build several tools to kind of like automate the process for him, but uh, of like inserting text and then making a bunch of uh of tweaks to it. But I mean, there was a game that a month ago, we weren't even talking about a month or more ago. We we weren't even thinking that was going to be released, and then here you go. You know, we've got we've got yeah. Rotor and he's like made significant progress on it. And then, uh, and then Sam, the SSG, only a couple weeks ago announced that he was doing Gun Griffin two, and now he's got enough uh, text inserted that he just released an alpha for for folks to test. So it's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. So. And, uh, I see the chat. John said uh, we need to have Dragon Force the band play Dragon Force the game. That would be so, insane. The, you know, I love Through the Fire and the Flames. Uh, yeah. That song is, you know, it's going to be in my top 100 favorite songs of all time. Respectfully, I just I couldn't get into any other one of their songs. I'm so right. sorry. But does the band, did they get the name from the game? Because that would totally make sense based on their age. And they're obviously huge nerds. Saying that in a nice way, of course, but like, I wonder, is that where they got their name? Are there any Dragon Force fans that know yeah. the answer to that? Or? Anybody in the comments? I would assume so. I've kind of always assumed so, but I never knew for sure. You know? Yeah. Names of stuff, you know, they're so freaking important, and I, I was the worst at that. We wrote 15 songs, most of them with complete lyrics. Three of them had names, and we didn't have a name for the band yet. We were all just terrible at that. So it's like, I can imagine them just being like, well, what do we call our band? To like, screw it. It's my favorite game. Look, let's play, let's play it. Why not? Uh, what are you drinking there, by the way? This is a... Black Velvet Russian Imperial Stout, and this one's 9% alcohol, and it's very good. It, um, I, I really like this one a lot, but it, it's not my favorite, but the 9% alcohol thing, I usually like to start with it, and then this has been one of my favorites lately, a pigtail porter, mm-hmm. um, and I got a window right here, and these things are so, the window <laughs> leaks so bad that the, oh, wow. the beers are ice cold sitting next to it, so nice. yeah, that's, oh, that's the past right. couple of months, it's if probably cold anybody's where you watched are. my videos, seen me like, you know, huddling in a hoodie rather than just my uh my uniform of a black t-shirt so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's it's later where you are i'm it's only you know around three three o'clock for me so i'm doing uh i i got a 24 ounce asahi 
This is my pregame drink because tonight I, we're going to be doing beer with pizza, so I'll probably go heavier tonight. But I love Russian uh, Russian Imperial Porters, you know, like old Rasputin, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Good. The darker the beer, the better. If it's if it, if most people look at it and be like, oh, my God, I can only have one of those. That's like a meal. That's my beer. That's your right beer. There. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, those yeah, are, funny. Inc- those are incredible. up on you, though, too. Like, yeah. you'll have, like, four or five or six of them, and, like, you know, anybody that's used to having, like, uh, four or five, six lagers over the course of the night, I don't mean, like, in an hour, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, you get done, you're burpy, you know, you're gassy and farty the next day, but, like, that's it. But these don't feel as bubbly, but then, like, you go home, you go to bed, and all of a sudden it's, like, the worst acid reflux on the planet. It's like, where did that come from? It's the sugar that kills me. Beer. With I love those I love those heavy beers, but the sugar, you know, especially if I drink late at night, it's like oh yeah, it will wreck me. Uh, and I'm not like diabetic or anything like that, but I think I'm probably borderline. <laughs> you know, it's just like you get too much of that sugar in your body, and it's just it's probably it's probably worse than like the hangover itself. You know. Yeah, it's funny. Something. The last time I did a, I had a physical, my doctor did my my numbers, and he's like, "You're uh, not." pre-diabetic like, he looked at me like <laughs> he looked at you like you were surprised you're wearing five or six shirts there buddy with this, this is really bad yeah <laughs> yeah man okay so well i guess we need to talk more about the competition uh because like i said Absolutely. we 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 don't we haven't really had any new news posted to our page um since since last show you know and and mostly we've just been focusing on uh Pat and I focus in on getting our scores, getting our ranks in for mm-hmm. the games. So I do, for everybody that's watching, I do want to remind you guys that Pat will be going live tonight at 7 p.m. Pacific. That's 10 p.m. Eastern uh, with a five-hour stream of the, uh, just going through all of the competition entries. And before that, if, if that's too late for you, at 6 p.m., uh, Murder of Crows, K, uh, Murder of Crows, is actually going to be streaming to the Shiro channel, uh, doing um, a rundown of Malenko's uh, Six Men Scramble uh, wrestling. So uh, if you like uh, Fire Pro Six Men Scramble and you want to know all about like what went into like making that a great translation and everything, K is going to break that down for you at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific, so that would be that would be 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, and then of course Pat will be going all night. Basically, he's gonna be going five hours on Red Bull. So uh, good luck, Pat. Jeez. Yeah, good good luck, Pat. He's gonna the have all the development. Ever on was six hours, but it was yeah. during the day, so it was totally different. I'm sure he'll have folks hopping in and out, helping him, you know, helping him finish, <laughs> helping him get through it. But yeah, so mm-hmm. last year he did it, and it was amazing. And uh, you know, we ended up uh, saving the vod for everybody to enjoy, and that way you could just you know listen to the vod at work and just hear all basically like developer interviews, basically talking about everything that went into making a game or making a patch, you know, what kind of struggles, what kind of uh, obstacles they had to face. Um, and it's very interesting. So we've had, uh, we've had quite a few excellent, uh, excellent contest entries like uh cube cat. Have you, have you seen that one cube cat? I'm scrolling through them now. Uh, Balloonatics gets my vote for best yes. name. A Balloonatics. I feel like that's a 90s ska band on acid or something. That's yeah, yeah that's perfect. But yeah, that's um, Slinga, and he he does like it's interesting. Last year he did Flicky's Flock, which was like a Flappy Bird kind of clone, but like with 12 player multiplayer. Like 12, like you'd get a, you'd get two multi taps. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're t- and everybody's tapping right, you know. And so this year he he kind of topped that with this balloon fight 
kind of game, but with 12 player multiplayer, it's crazy, you know? So that that's kind of like his, his angle at it is like make like the most over the top multiplayer game game on Saturn, you know? Mm. Yeah, uh, what was the other game you just mentioned? Before uh, yeah, that, Cube, oh, sorry. so Cube Cat by Seven Shades, There, there's a, you know, polygonal platformer which you didn't get very many of those on the Saturn and okay. it's it's super chibi super cute you know very very bright and and bold color palette very tight controls very good you're you're just batting like this this ball of yarn around and you have to like bat it onto like different platforms different island platforms and you're doing a lot of jumping you're doing a lot of straight like he added strafing to it um it's just it's just very it's just really really solid game design you know for and it kind of came out of nowhere last year like nobody saw it coming and then he's just improved upon it in many many ways and then of course you had uh, blue skies this year which was like a pilot wings type uh, game uh, from Team Starlane and that's Xenos Interactive and and also uh, Emerald Nova doing the co- a lot of the coding on that and so that's a that's like a flight simulator game but with like really really cool you know kind of jazzy music you know think uh think like windows 95 <laughs> kind of you know it's 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 uh what else uh let's see there's there's also an art game there's like a mario paint style game called sardist uh which is like saturn mm-hmm. artist you know that's a lot of fun that was that was a lot of fun to play with um and there um i'm going off of memory right now because i don't actually have the I'm article seeing chris up. mingle a mall oh, yeah. santa dating sim Yes. So I'm assuming that that that's <laughs> bouncing off the culture of like uh like the Sakura Wars dating sim type games, right? Yes. Uh so yeah, d- is, you know, visual novel is is what this is and I mean, I don't know exactly what kind of me- uh mechanics w- might be built into it. I think at this point it's it's more or less of a visual novel, but you know, um but uh, but again, like this was an entry that came out last year, and I think only a little bit has been done to it since then. So I think he's been really busy. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens next. It's definitely one of those ones that has kind of become a meme <laughs> among the community. We're all like, definitely got to uh, find out what happens with Mall Santa. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like... Uh, all that of these... style of game is still kind of fascinating to me because the only ones like that I got as a kid are like um, Rise of the Dragon oh, uh, yes, for Sega yeah. CD, uh-huh. and then uh, on Xbox there was Indigo Prophecy, and I, I really enjoyed both of those yeah. a lot. So but I never did it from the perspective of like a dating sim type of thing, and right. I just I, 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 I part of me. Because I've, you know, remember ignorance, you know, is, you know, it's, it's not a good thing, but it's a rel, you know, a relevant excuse and stuff like this. Exactly. But like my initial thought of that's like kind of gives me the creeps, yeah. and I'm sure it's one of those things where as soon as I started playing it, I'd be like, oh, I completely get it now, never yeah. mind. But I'm just like, yeah, uh, yeah, I just, it's one of those things that's so foreign to me. I just have to approach it with a completely open mind and, and kind of go from there. But like, absolutely, the dating sim is your goal to just get as many chicks as possible. Like I don't, you know, <laughs> I just uh, I don't get it yet. So yeah, I don't know. But you know, I'm not mocking it. I'm mocking me, just for for the record there. Yeah. So. There were actually a couple other uh, Neuromage Studio uh, or Sansegolo is the guy who uploaded both the uh, Lighthouse of, of Sao Bento des, uh, do, es, do Oeste. I can't pronounce it, but uh, it's like a uh, 
murder mystery kind of like you're a you're a gumshoe detective you go to this small town you have to kind of like talk to people and and uh reveal uh, the the mystery of why this person went missing uh and you got another he put out another one which is a demo called red moon lost days um which again is another like visual novel type ad, uh, visual adventure novel i'd say but yeah um pl- similar but more fleshed out you know stories um and they're both i believe using joe engine um so yeah joe engine has helped a lot of folks like get up and running with uh saturn development and, and for anybody who happens to just be jumping on and unfamiliar could you just give like a the one minute thing of what joe engine is so yeah jo- uh johannes fats or is the namesake so johannes fats uh developed basically like a software development kit for saturn so that you could, you know, and, and, and a bunch of resources and even like a, a template game, you know, that kind of would get you up and running um, and kind of show you how to write graphics to the screen and how to, you know, uh, put in some simple C code and get stuff up and running. And you can you can get really, really in depth with it. You can or you can make something really, really simple. But I mean, basically, it's what a lot of folks have cut their teeth on in terms of Saturn development in, including XL2 who's completely moved away from it and written his own renderer uh, to, to drive his graphics and, and now he's got like all these weird techniques that he's using in order to get like RTX style you know I mean he you know so impressive yeah it's, it's so very impressive. impressive without any deadlines without any you know buddy breathing down his neck and saying oh we got to ship this game uh, you know he's had the time to really like uh, go well beyond what development teams were really able to do back then, you know. So it's really it's really insane to see that happen, and I think it's great because in the Dreamcast homebrew scene, it took a decade or so to, for us to start. I don't know, maybe that's too much, but it, it took a really long time for us to start seeing 3D games. We saw a lot of 2D shooters and stuff, you know, on Dreamcast, but it was like I'm surprised that it took people that long to like really dip their toe into like 3d development on dreamcast and now of course it's happening a lot more but but yeah so with the saturn the scene hasn't really been that active for that long and it we've already got a bunch of 3d stuff going on saturn so i guess maybe uh, maybe people want to challenge because they've heard like how how challenging it is to develop for saturn you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I, I don't know. I just have so much respect and uh, admiration for people that do that because I'm not smart enough to. So uh, yeah. I am smart enough to burn an ISO and play the game after <laughs> you finish it, though. So exactly. I, I enjoy all of those things. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm scrolling through here. It looks like there's a, a pony puzzler as well. Oh, yeah. So I I, 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 I believe that's kind of an in-joke. Uh, basically, they took all of the pony memes that were posted to the Discord, to the developer Discord, like, over the course of the past year. And, uh, and he was like, okay, I'll just make, like, a 15-tile game of, of all those. And I believe it's not safe for work, or at least there's a few <laughs> images that are not safe for work. But... I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but you get the idea, you know? And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, of course... I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Knight of Dragons Patcher. You know, um, one of the great things that he has made is a, is a patcher that is r- literally like drag and drop, easy to use, and and should be the de facto patcher moving forward. You know, of course, it does take some cooperation from developers. You know, but um, it just mm. makes things so much easier uh, to patch games, um, and 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 to add all of the extra. You know, region region. Uh, uh, changing the region and making uh, 
there are several other i'm drawing a blank right now but there are several other features that it has in 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 addition to just being able to rip a disc and create the image with the patch so you know if you if you want to go that way and you have like a legitimate disc you can just pop it into your pc and rip it and patch it at the same time and it's just very very easy yeah it, i'm yeah. Uh, i'm also scrolling through your post again here and you know a cloth demo just caught my eye because yes. stuff like this is like you know, it, once again, I mean this with all of the love and respect in the world. So if somebody's listening, please don't take this the wrong way. But something like this could very easily be passed over yeah. if it wasn't for a competition like this. Because right. if you didn't realize what this is accomplishing, you might just think, oh, neat, they did a cloth and a 3D renderer. Mm-hmm. But when when you go in and you actually, anybody that's ever tried to develop on a, uh, a console or has friends who have developed on a console starts to understand, like, like wow that that's not normal and that's not something no. that people would normally just jump in and do so yeah you know, I'm, I'm so cool to see competitions like this that be able to to hype that stuff up and, and just give it some cool recognition kind of like demo scene with um you know the, the music and video stuff that started i think it started on the commodore 64 um, everybody yeah. in europe's gonna amiga. be like f you it's not like the, yeah, the, the amiga probably yeah commodore started on amiga the, yeah, the Amiga demo scene was was amazing, and that is that was a hotbed for like just messing around with that Motorola processor and just making it do all sorts of crazy stuff. And actually, you're right, uh, Ray. We call him Ray or Raymi. You know, he did the cloth demo. He also did the one right under it, Sky Blaster, which was like their that was their uh, you know proper game release. You know, which is like an endless mm-hmm. shooter. Um, and and then if you scroll all the way down to the tools, they also released the um, what is it? The model converter, Saturn 3D model converter. So it's like folks can import a model from like 3D Studio Max or something like that and convert it to uh, convert it to Saturn or go from Blender. You know, it's got it's got um, it's got plugins to Im- uh, to support import and export of additional formats. You know, so. Uh, it's going to be a huge resource for the community to be able to like use that to to import 3D models into their games and stuff like that. So, absolutely. Yeah. So I was really, really impressed nerd, with their the Saturn stuff. Saturn save converter is also something that gets me excited yes. because it's like you you have no idea. Like once again, respectfully, that right. Saturn save converter is completely useless to you until the day you need it. And then you go, holy crap, it exists. This is the coolest thing in the world. I'm so glad somebody did it. Yes. And, uh, I bothered uh, my friends Risha and Super G to make me one for Sega Genesis to go between Mr. and EverDrive and yeah. Mega SD or something like that. So, yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, oh, neat, there's a converter. and, and But when you need it, that is a game changer it's like, absolutely oh. so i get to you know start the game here finish it here or i can grab footage from this but even though i'm playing it on that like yeah that that's uh you know props to everybody who works on stuff like that because it seems so minor until you really really need it but absolutely uh, Super Ray must be a, a cdi fan because the uh the shape of the of the craft looks kind of like either Depending on how you want to look at it, you can say it looks like a Romulan warship, or it looks like the uh, one of the enemies in the missile scene of Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> mm. I did not even notice that. I wouldn't have unless I. I see what you I mean by the Romulan ship, though. Yeah, that's funny. Um, also, uh, Pona released. Uh, he they released. Uh, Pone Sound. I, I think I'm saying that right. Pony Sound or Pona Sound, which was a sound driver that um, basically went open source and they 
gave to the community to use in their in their releases and i know xl2 is using it in his game and um it's obviously being used in uh it's being used in the pony game but um i believe it's being used in a few others and i'm drawing a blank on what those are but still it's just it's a it it has better performance than the ones that came in the development kit that sega (laughs) released so it's just you know it uh and uh Let's see, it also adds in the timing of PCM and ADX streams. Uh, it, it, just, it just does a bunch of other stuff that uh, that the Saturn couldn't originally do with the drivers provided. So um, it's great. You know, it's great to have tools like that. And, Absolutely. Uh, I believe if it's French, it's Ponet sound. Oh, Ponet sound. The only reason I would even know that is because a good friend of mine, Renee from DB Electronics, uh, you know, likes has to brutally the... beat me over the head if I get if I don't put the tilde over his name when uh, when I'm spelling it in chat or something like that. Got it. Ponet so. sound. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Everybody in the chat, I just uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So. Very cool, and um, you know I'm I'm heavily involved with MD48 testing, not so much on their Discord, just because I, I with, respectfully I just have so few minutes to spare, so I, I don't chat as much as I'd like to. But um, testing audio equipment and testing, like I've been focused on finding the equipment that we could all use to test consoles like the Saturn Mm -hmm. uh, in order to make sure that emulation is accurate, you know, Mr. Cores are accurate, um, because the audio in all of these is really important, and I took it for granted for so long. I mean, I had no idea how bad some of the audio emulation or in some of the system on the chips, you know, like these these junky things oh, like, yeah. i had no idea how bad the audio was on them until i i got back in the game and started messing with it and i didn't you know very ignorantly didn't know at first why people were complaining and i'm like so the audio is off five percent who cares right. no it no. was off by a lot yeah so uh, i've been helping on the the hardware side of things because that's what i'm good at and trying to determine what's good for doing the analysis uh and I, it's it's given me a new appreciation for all of the sound chips, as well as people like Remute who make albums on, you know, on the different consoles and stuff like that. Like, I've gotten a completely new appreciation for how sound is created on all of these consoles mm-hmm. and the unique things that make them different. And it's so easy to be like, oh, well, Saturn's got CD audio, so it's just CD audio, right? And no. people forget that, you know, the chips that are in there also have, the CD audio is the soundtrack. It's not right. the effects and it's not a lot of the other things involved in it. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, uh, so a lot of Saturn games do use Red Book audio, but uh, mm-hmm. then Bulk Slash, for example, is a great uh, is a great example of a game that uses some uh, some CD audio, you know, for the beginning. But then it uses a lot of chip tunes for the rest of the for the rest of the game. So yeah, uh, and and to a really good effect too. Oh, and uh, um, Ray uh, says that he used uh, the Pone sound in Sky Blaster. So that's the one that I was thinking of. Oh, I, I remember sweet. reading that and I was like, okay, that's awesome to, uh, to see Pone sound work its way into more games. So yeah. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. Um, let me see here. Oh, and and I absolutely agree with you about you know poor emulation of Genesis. Genesis, it's been really hard to get an accurate emulation of Genesis sound. Also, you know, each console sounds different technically. So it's like whatever. What's your target for perfect emulation? Not, not right? even each console. Yeah, it like comes each down to the motherboard revision. Yes. Uh, Pat just joked about CDX and. 
that's another funny thing is the audio coming out of the headphone port of the CDX is way different than the audio that's coming out of the AV port. Um, and even things like when you plug in your Sega CD, the audio coming out of the RCA jacks is different. Mm-hmm. It, it, when I say different, it's the exact same as getting it from the multi-out, but it's right. a different filtering or, or lack of filtering on there. So, right. yeah, the Genesis is a mess when it comes to audio, an absolute mess. So, But yeah. Artemio Vervena has, like, helped us out with, like, an audio tool for that, right? Yes, because, our Lord and be- Savior Artemio <laughs> has created md 4 a that's right. There's yeah. a group of amazing people who yeah. have jumped on that Discord and who have helped out. Uh, I talked to Chen Fong pretty much every day for the past couple of years. So sorry, T. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Bernie's awesome as well. And you know, the the three of us tackle a lot of the hardware equipment side, um, just because I have access to a bunch of it. And with an IT background and a hardware analysis mm-hmm. background, it's like it just it's so much quicker for me to do that stuff than somebody who's like super passionate and super smart but like where do i start i already have a lot of like you know how to get from point a to point d and then i could start md4ea after that so yeah it's an awesome group of people and they're they're making such a big difference and it's also the look on people's faces when we talk about audio stuff and i'm like actually we ran an md4ea analysis on your whatever uh, and you know it did very good but here's what we found they're like did what? <laughs> like, what are you talking? <laughs> and then I show them the graphs, and they're like, yeah. immediately feel about this big. And I'm like, I no, know. no, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. But you know, most people don't even know you have the like anybody has the ability to do these things, and that's all because you know the Fourier stuff and Artemio porting it and writing the software to make it. Not just for video games, like we test everything on that now. All of my audio equipment, really? HDMI splitters, yeah. Wow. I love the fact that he's not saying that there's one correct way to, you know, because it's really subjective. It's like if you grew up playing, you know, Model 2 Genesis and that was your memory, it was a specific revision, right? And that was your memory of how a Genesis should sound, right? That's what you're going to try to go after. That's the sound you're going to try to chase, you know? And so his tool is like really meant to help folks find that perfect sound that they want. And, and everybody's going to have a different, you know, hopefully you didn't grow up playing those like, you know, Genesis, cheap Genesis console on a chip. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, was the one that taught me um, what's the best. Well, what's the best for you? Right. And what's the best for your setup and what's the best for your budget? And what exactly are you looking to accomplish? Are you looking to to chase the exact experience as a kid are you looking to chase the you know the most accurate or do you want a more mo- like he like he's so articulate when he speaks like i was just like he's exact he's not an old man but he's exactly sometimes when he gets on his in his groove mm-hmm. like when grandpa tells a great story and everybody just sits with their legs crossed and listen like when our <laughs> hits a spot like everybody just shuts the f up and listens and like okay what yeah. else do you have to say like and he really like he he, he so graciously kind of taught me that and it completely changed how i approach everything in retro rgb so yeah you know, not just audio but even like 
you know, what's what's the best way to play Super Nintendo? And I used to be like, well, you have to get this hardware and that hardware, and you don't need it, but, like, if you want the best, this right. is. And now I, I take a step back, and I'm like, let me let me think, what would Artemio do? And, you know, I, I kind of approach it from that perspective. And, like, well, what's your goal? What are you looking at? So right. yeah, he's, he's kind of an inspiration to, to many people in the scene. So it's And it's cool that he's, he's part of so many different projects. Like, you hear his name dropped everywhere in the game. Scene. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it's been far re- the 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 effect of his work has been far reaching, you know. And I mean the fact mm-hmm. that he's got that tool on so many different consoles. I I think the first time I used it was on the Wii to be honest with you <laughs> because I was doing like a lot of 480p stuff, you know. And I was uh I was, you know, working with uh working with uh PC CRT monitors, you know, with the with the 31 kilohertz and stuff like that. So I was using that to help like dial in my uh, linearity and geometry and stuff on those things. But yeah, it's just crazy. Cause it's, I, I really can't wait for the Saturn one to be complete, you know, but ho- hopefully, hopefully that'll come around, you know, but I know that that's not yeah. been one of the easy ones, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I learned about Artemio and I discovered the 240p test suite because when retro RGB was still a Google doc that I was working on, mm-hmm. I had this brilliant idea that like, okay, I want calibration and test patterns so that I can figure out things like basic geometry and basic mm-hmm. color calibration. And I remember that Sega CD plays CDRs mm-hmm. and it had CD plus graphic discs back in the right, day, which yeah. even in the nineties, they were kind of like, eh, but maybe I could utilize that to take test patterns and put those on a disc. So I started Googling ways to do that, and I got really excited when I, I started to, to get clues, and then it led me to the 240p test suite, and half of me was like, oh, 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 wow, wait, no, this isn't just test patterns, this is everything. everything. So that, that's actually how I learned about them, was trying to do it myself and realizing somebody just already did it way better. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yes, you know, Saturn has a CD Plus graphics uh, support as well. And my friend Peter, uh, Shiro Peter, you know, he he loves, uh, he has a couple of CD Plus graphics discs that he's popped in the Saturn. I'm like, man, this is a, you know, this is a very underutilized mode. (laughs) There was not a whole lot, except for, you know, of course, like karaoke discs and stuff like that, I believe. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. So I agree with other Knight, than who karaoke, says. Can you think of any CD plus G disc worth listening to and watching? No, are you going to tell me the answer? <laughs> no. no, I was hoping you would tell me the answer. No, I, I, trash. I don't. I'm not. I'm not familiar with any. No, and I think the only one. Uh, I think Disney releases like their music with CD plus G, and it, it's not. It's like you know music with lyrics, so I guess it is a karaoke disc. But they're they're more like just they just have like different uh, graphic screens, and then it plays the music. Mm-hmm. So it's like the soundtrack with the lyrics showing up on the screen. And I think uh, that's what Peter was showing me an example of like Frozen playing on the Saturn with the with the graphics. Uh, but um, I was gonna say that, I, that's kind of neat. That's kind of neat. Though. It's kind of neat. I was gonna agree agree with Knight of Dragon that the model one through the audio jack or bust. <laughs> that's got to be the high definition graphics, though. You know, that's that's the one that that's the one I have. But yeah, I know this is a Saturn stream, but um, just a very quick thing. If anybody, um, if anybody was really curious. Model 2 and 3, or the very last revision of the Model 1 actually had like a Model 2 board in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Those all really need some kind of bypass to get good audio. Mm -hmm. Unless 
Unless you're really longing for that tinny, shitty sound you right. heard as a kid if you had a Model 2. Yeah. But the Model 2 audio is excellent. And, and some models are good, but you really have to hunt them down. Whereas with a bypass, including the Genesis 3, is excellent. The Model 1s, other than the very last VA7 motherboard, all sound perfect without right. any mod whatsoever. The only reason that I ever suggest people, if they want to mod it, because I love original consoles exactly as they are, but if you want to go down the crazy route of modding it, I do suggest doing the full thing, because you have to remember, you're not going to really get better audio out of a Model 1, but right. now you don't have to put it out of the headphone jack. Now, if your headphone jack is old, usually whenever you bump it, you get that weird static. And, yes. You know, and you're talking about 30-plus-year components that are being replaced by brand new surface mount components and you also have to remember that when all of these companies made their consoles they used components that were like five to twenty percent tolerant depending on what the component is because it was the right thing to do if you lost a dollar to two dollars a unit on 20 million units that's an insane amount of money lost for a difference that most people could not care about. Yeah. But when you're talking about a bypass board, if that board's $3 more because you used better components, you're not going to care at all. And so it's it's just one of those things where you don't ever need to bypass the audio on the Model 1. But if you do, it's going to last longer. You might get a little less of a hum, a little less of a ground plane noise on there. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I'm like, if you're going to do a triple bypass on a Model 1, it's a complicated install. So just do the audio, too, because it'll get, you know, you'll just get some more longevity out of it. And you might get an improvement, um, but it's more likely just less less hum or buzz or anything like that. But it, just plug in a Model 1 headphone port, turn it all the way up, and then back it off a hair, and then put the headphone jack into something that's, you know, that's... 99.9% as good as you could imagine and still have a real analog sound to it. So, cool. If you're a fan of that, if you like a crystal oh, yeah. clear sound, get one of the FPGA solutions or, or really good emulation like Blastem. Not like at games. That was horrible. Yeah, no. <laughs> you, you know, that was Matt, the, the creator of Tanglewood created a th just a little thing where if you plug in Tanglewood into one of those at games consoles, like the writing is all red on the title screen, just really? to warn you, like, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is great. I did not know that. That's funny. Yeah, those at games, those at game systems and like all of the, you know, no offense, Chinese clone knockoffs, <laughs> like all those like cheap Genesis on a chip systems are just like terrible. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually something I'm going to be doing a video on soon because this one in particular is not trash. It's right. not good. It's right. not good. It's somewhere in it's between. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. But a lot of them, a lot of them, like if you bought them and you're still within the return period to Amazon, yeah. you should bring it back. Like it's there. Some of them are just. Yeah awful like the hyperkin first edition ones i haven't tested them in three years but those were just i like i the best example i can give is if it wasn't an entertainment product if it was a toaster they would be forced to be recalled because you'd have right. half cold toast and half burnt to a crisp it would just they, they just don't work right at all so yeah yeah <laughs> cool cool well uh let's see my non-high-definition Model 1 is the only one with good sound and headphones, Jack. 
it's pretty clean surprisingly so so do people do you basically tell people to get the high definition version because then you know it's going to be you know for a fact that it's going to be an early revision mo uh, motherboard is that kind of the thinking what i usually say is if you're chasing nostalgia in any way get the one that you had when you were a kid and go from there mm. and if you plug your in your cartridge and you play and you like it you've won period mm -hmm. don't, don't listen to anybody else if you like it you've won uh, original hardware of course not the at games bullshit but like, yeah. <laughs> if you grew up with that i'm so sorry <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but um if you don't have a nostalgic connection to it yeah i normally get the one that says high definition graphics because you have the original audio chip the sound will almost always be good uh, but the video is always off on those and that's kind of the other problem uh, so it's it's really just what you're chasing, because if you're going for audio, yeah, Model 1s are awesome, but if you're going for video, a lot of the Model 2s and the Model 3s look excellent. In fact, the audio is even excellent on Model 3s, but it's mono. So if that doesn't matter to you, then beautiful. Buy a Model 3, you're good to go. If it, stereo audio is a big deal to you, which, you know, some games really doesn't make a difference. Others, it definitely does. But, you know, that, that's... You, you triple bypass a Model 3, now you have yourself a pretty damn amazing mini little Genesis thing, so... Absolutely. What's your... Um, be, I'm going to ask... Shadow Mass asks a question, but hold on a second. Um, real quick, what is your favorite Genesis soundtrack? I'm just curious. Do you have one? Um... So I didn't grow up with Streets of Rage. Uh, I played it a couple times at friends' houses, but it's such an awesome soundtrack. I really like it. Yeah. But Sonic, I, I think the Sonic ones, all of them are the ones that I like. Whenever I'm testing a game, especially like Green Hill Zone, just because that's been my go-to testing for years now. Mm -hmm. So I try to do the same thing over and over so that I could always pick out the same stuff. Um, but so for testing, it's Green Hill Zone. But for mm -hmm. like an example of what an amazing Genesis soundtrack would be like, I'd probably have to say Streets of Rage 1 or 2. Oh, yeah. Like, do you play those in your car ever? Are you, like, a super nerd for, like, for like chiptune music where you could, like, bump it in your car? So I absolutely play Remutes music. Yeah. Uh, but I have spent 12 hours a day for the past, like, 10 years doing work on game console stuff. So it's probably so not. So if I listen to music, it's going to be metal. And it's going to be it's stuff that I like to play on guitar. Now I actually love all kinds of music, so I, it's not uncommon for me at all to get like to listen to a K-pop song and then mm -hmm. listen to Cannibal Corpse and then listen to like you know <laughs> like uh, Lady Gaga or Kesha and then go sure. into In Flames or something like that. So, right. but but yeah, it's um I, I love games, but it's such a huge and all-encompassing part of my life that uh, I try to step away from it whenever I'm I'm not in the midst of it. So makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so uh, Shadow Mask asked, "What uh, what model Saturns do you use or prefer?" Oh man, I was hoping to duck that question. Not not because of Shadow Mask. I like Shadow Mask, but uh, I always get hate for this. And uh, my is opinion that? is is based on a lot of testing. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, if you go to a store and you buy a Model 1 or a Model 2 Saturn, mm -hmm. you're going to get slightly sharper output out of a Model 1. Mm -hmm. And people hate me for saying that because just like Model Genesis's, Genesis, um, 
it's the board revision that matters. Model mm-hmm. 1 versus Model 2 actually doesn't matter at all, except you have more likely of a chance of getting a board revision that has slightly sharper video output if you buy a Model 1 than right. you would a Model 2. So for me personally, and I like the way the Model 1 looks, and I don't know why. Yeah. It's not better. It's just my personal preference. It's slightly um, sharper, and I would agree with you. Uh, but I would also say anecdotally, because I have a few Saturns, that Model 2s are a little more robust, or they, they last longer in terms of components and the laser mech. But again, that's anecdotal, because I would have to have like a thousand Saturns to really have a good sample size to say. It's just my personal experience. I've had better luck with Model 2s in terms of longevity. But Model 1, yeah. I definitely know what you mean about the, the image quality. So I've been less vocal about that because when it comes to Super Nintendo and Genesis, there's probably maybe, maybe 20 people in the world that have tested more than me. Uh, But when it comes to Saturn, there's like 100 people that have done more in depth (laughs) with um, more of them coming in front of them. Mm -hmm. Like I probably had 100 Super Nintendos and at least uh, all models combined, 100 Genesis consoles come through me for testing since I started Retro RGB. I probably had 25 Saturns, but I also talk to people every day who who use the same test equipment, who use the same test procedures, and Mm -hmm. they all have confirmed that it's much easier to just be like, all right, let me grab that model one and hope it's sharper and it usually is so i should probably say for those uh listening uh disclaimer there really is no such thing as a model one or a model two when we say model one or model two we are talking about the chassis we're talking about the we're talking about the 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 shell case now there were so many different board revisions right that (laughs) when i say model twos have better longevity what I'm saying is the majority of board revisions that went into that chassis, I've had better luck with, right? But really, there's like, there there are a ridiculous amount of models out there. So it is kind of silly to say Model 1 and Model 2 because, you know, which one or which board revision are we talking about? Exactly, you know, that's the thing too. There were more than a few yeah. Model 1 board revisions. So, you know, that's that's the thing. I, uh, a murder of crows. Okay, he gets really mad when I say Model One or Model Two, and I just remembered I, I needed to let people know that that uh, technically it's it's more complicated than that. But but definitely, like you said, like like I was saying with uh, with the high definition graphics Genesis. If you have a high definition graphics Genesis, you know you have a very early uh, motherboard, right? So you you can pretty unless it's, somebody did a case swap, but yeah. right, exactly. So it's ch- it's kind of like a general. Uh, it's like a very general way to judge something. Not, it's not scientific unless you open it up and see what you actually have. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. but anyway, I felt like that needed to be said. Otherwise, somebody in the comments will be like, "Well, oh, actually, I'm glad you said it." And all the trolls over the years, yeah. um, if they had said, "Hey, Model One and Model Two is a shell, yeah, not a motherboard," my response would be, "You're a hundred percent right." But it's just something to visualize because you know it's hard to tell people you have to. Completely disassemble a Saturn to figure that out. Right. Some of the Saturn motherboard revisions are on the bottom of the yes. board, so you yeah. flip it over and all that. So, yeah, but that, that's not usually the trolling. It's usually Bob's a liar. There's no difference. It's yeah, it's like yeah. All, right, all right, whatever. You yeah. jump off the ice wall, then you weird flat earther. But yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, not all model ones are awesome. If you ever see the ones with the power supplies bolted to the case, yes. you open one of those up, and it's like. 
man, like Sega really sucked sometimes. <laughs> yes. Like how did they, <laughs> it must've been like, okay, well we're running out of stock and we have 5,000 in the warehouse. So uh, yeah. Jimmy, Billy and Johnny go glue some shit together and get them out the door. Like, you know, yes. yeah, it's, it's weird to see some of the stuff they've done over the years. The, the entire master system motherboard, the NTSC version is a conundrum like because i am not a board designer and i am yeah. not that smart and even i'm doing an analysis on it like what the ran hell? the trace under the chip like, what are you kidding this is why people use shielded cables so that you keep the trace away from the chip like i know yeah, so, i know yeah. oh yeah there's like some of those saturn power supplies too and there's just like a tiny little piece of plastic between it and the and the motherboard you know, and, and the Model 1s, when you take them apart, some of them, you, you just have to be very careful because the the power switch and everything has its own little daughter board, you know, and it's got, like, the cables right, you could right, just, like, right. rip. Um, you know, I do appreciate how, how much they were able to streamline things and really not just cut costs, but also make it a much more elegant design. That if they could have just, you know, spent a little bit more time on it to begin with, you know, and, and waited, yeah. you know, uh, then, you know, yeah, things would have been a little bit different. <laughs> but, but definitely each model kind of has its own charm. And I have a handful of Saturns and they're all different board revisions. So, yeah. Yeah. Peter Gaio said it's because Bob likes the giant Model 1 controller. I do. I like them both, but yeah, like, nothing wrong sometimes, with that. like, I just, you know, I got big fat hands. I probably should be a bassist. I don't know why. I I like rhythm better than lead anyway, but, uh, yeah. you know, I'm a guitarist either way. But yeah, I, I, I like the, I do like the, I like them both, but very often I'll go to the Model 1. And yeah. uh, Sega uh, Retro View. Yeah, Retro I'm View. Sure I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know I murdered that one. Um, was talking about. Um, I just uh, lost my place. Maybe the beer's kicking in. Uh, their high navy Saturn still works fine, despite being the only Saturn that doesn't output RGB. So, two things: you can pretty easily add RGB back to it, and it's fully reversible. So there's no cutting. There's no like. There's not even cutting of traces. But I've really. I wouldn't have said this five years ago, but after seeing all the amazing things that I've seen, I just have a new appreciation for those rare and weird models of consoles and just loving them for exactly what they are. Mm -hmm. um, that's only my stupid opinion. So if you want to add RGB back to that, I'm sure we could figure that out pretty easily. So that wants to know if you that wants to know if you think the OSSC Pro is a uh, retro tint killer. <laughs> so. Um, uh, my my answer is going to sound like all PC and bullshit, but right. it's actually my my very honest opinion is that there is no killer killer anymore. of it. Yeah, exactly. The original RetroTINK 2X didn't have a comb filter, went to 480p, and you could very easily say that the RetroTINK 5X is the original 2X killer, mm -hmm. and that's totally fair. But and and Mike Chi might even agree, the creator of both of those. Right. But. The reason I don't agree is because the original is still a line doubler with zero lag that does exactly what it was designed to do. Right. So the OSSC Pro is the same thing in that it's it's adding more things and more options and different ways of doing it. But the original OSSC isn't any less awesome. It's still a zero lag line doubler. Right. And if your TV is compatible with it, then 
or capture card because a lot of capture cards aren't then it's cool but i gotta say i've tested um all of them but the morph i think the morph is still in very prototypey phase mm -hmm. um but the tink 5x is amazing the ossc is amazing um the ossc pro I've never seen analog video look that good. And when I say that, I'm not shitting on the Retro Tink 5X. Remember, right. I do this for a living. My eyes are built to analyze this stuff. Right. Uh, but it, it is pretty good for that. But what I'm really wondering is, you know, I'm actually glad it was delayed. Because I don't know if anybody saw it today. It was announced that it's it's on hold indefinitely it will come out but they're just waiting for the part shortage to end and the part shortage is real there was a whole bunch of comments that the part shortage isn't real i don't yes. once again go jump off the ice wall but my wife um, is an electrical engineer she can tell you it's definitely real <laughs> she's had to like yeah. substitute so many different parts <laughs> yes yeah i could personally tell you five different projects that were going to be released last year that are, yeah. might not ever be because of that but yeah. um but you know I'm kind of glad because they would have sold a lot less quantity. People would have been really pissed because they wouldn't have been able to get one, and mm -hmm. it would have been way more expensive. But also, this gives Marcus time to go back and to, to do the firmware the way he wants without a deadline. So the hardware is done. The base firmware is done. If anybody bought it in its current form, they'd be like, this is really awesome. But when you have the RetroTINK 5X and the Morph and even the, um, you know, the Mr. out there, uh, you got to have more than this is awesome. Like, right. if you want to make a difference, you have to go, well, what are the other two don't do? Or what are they, what could I do better? And, right. you know, Marcus is a, a really smart guy and a very cool guy, too. I really enjoyed hanging out with him. So it's like, you know. I'm kind of glad it got delayed because when it gets released, I guarantee you there's going to be people that go, oh, for me, the Tink 5X is the only one. Oh, for me and my setup, the Morph is the best thing I could ever imagine. Oh, for the things that I'm going to be connecting, the OSSC Pro is the best thing I could do. And right. and I love that. I love that because, you know, there's always going to be competition, mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. But I love it when the competition is a bunch of really good people mm -hmm. all, you know, all working to do the same, but in their own way. So that it's not no one's cloning each other. No one's copying each other. You know, and so, I mean, yeah, I think honestly, you have to say for those that don't even want to get too technical and they're really going off of like what's available, you really can't go that wrong. Like they're excellent products you're going to be yeah. happy you know so it's like we're talking about we're talking about those people who are like really anal over like tiny tiny di differences but i mean i think for most people who might just be i just want my console to look good on my new flat panel you know and i don't i just want to be able to yeah. see something that's close to what i saw when i was a kid you know and be able to enjoy these games with zero lag or as close as you can get to zero lag i think most people are going to be fine with either option you know retro tink definitely hits me as kind of like being a more mass market it has more mass appeal like uh ossc is definitely like a you know um uh, it seems like it's it's pedigree is based on like f folks in the forums and stuff like that and folks who are like really dialed into this stuff whereas like retro tink mike's made it like very accessible very open to you know being a, a product available for purchase by even folks who don't want to get that technical into it, you know, they're just like, well, it's available. Yeah. I'd love to pick one up, you know, and it makes a huge you can difference. You still buy the Tink 5X, plug in your console and turn yeah. it on. And, never and be blown away. And be blown yeah. away. Yeah. And never have to worry about any of that stuff. Like, it's still something that you could do. And 
if you're the type of person that's annoyed with tinkering, you could only go into the menu if you have a problem. Right. So, like, if you got Genesis, Super Nintendo, Saturn, Dreamcast, don't even touch the remote. If you have Neo Geo and it's, something gets weird, or Master System, you can go in and, and you know, look up the fix and, and implement the fix, which is not a RetroTink problem. It's a Master System and a Neo Geo problem. So, mm. yeah, it's you don't need to touch the remote. And I think Pixel FX is trying to go down the road of it'll auto-detect everything so you don't even need to do that, which might be neat. But, you know, I do... A a large part of me really thinks, like... I could be wrong, but I think the OSSC Pro should be catered to those incredibly smart eye-for-detail forum people as a tool. And, you know, price it accordingly, but, like, maybe that is the device that's designed for the people, for the developers, right. or for the, the ultra-crazy streamers, and, you know, I got a friend, we, we joked, but, like, somebody had just set up an arcade machine, it, it just rebuilt it, and he walks in, and they had the color bars up, and he's like, green's off by 4%, and everybody burst out laughing, they thought he was just busting balls, right. and they threw it on the scope, and green was off by 4%, they're like... <laughs> what the hell <laughs> so then we call him the human scope and he's got like, a human scope yeah. well i mean i guess if you That's look at that shit that, that much you know then you probably i mean but yeah it's like to to most lay people okay you're gonna be happy with a pvm right you're gonna be happy mm-hmm. with a bvm you might even be happy with a medical grade monitor right but i mean the the amount of quality between these things can really only be appreciated by somebody who's like been looking at all this stuff for a long time and really knows like okay like the different line count and stuff like that but i mean your average pvm is still way better (laughs) than you know any consumer grade set right so it's like for most people i think you know it's it's just one of the for most people i would just say get what's available you know but i mean for people who really want to go get something that's reference grade and that's the thing i think a lot of us are kind of geeks and we want to get to that you know perfect holy grail reference grade you know uh, and like you said like a like something you use on your test bench should be able to you know look at things very very closely but yeah yeah so for years the choices were the least worst really yeah because there were some good choices but they were super expensive so or they weren't compatible with everything so but nowadays there's really, as long as you don't buy garbage like the level high cables, and I'm looking in the chat, I'm so sorry, I'll get to that in a second, but as long as you don't do that, you're winning. Any yeah, of the tape yeah. products, anything branded OSSC, uh, you know, anything p- from Pixel FX, the, the, the crew from Pixel FX is just as nuts as we are. They're not yeah. going to release something that isn't awesome. It's just, it's not yeah. who they are. But um, it, what's what's odd about the level high product is most of the companies selling those very crappy you know, uh, console to HDMI adapters mm-hmm. are rebranding the exact same thing. And right. some of them go in and take the time to change the boot screen to their own logo. Right. So you would think, okay, there's still room for tweaking. Whatever uh, Young is his name, whatever Young from Level Hike did, <laughs> yeah. not only did he add his name to it, Level Hike, but there is more lag than any of the other one of yes. those console cables. It's like five to seven frames of lag or something like that. It was, it was 
horrendous. And the left and right audio were switched on the one that I was sent. And I was like, and they use composite video yeah. sync on consoles that I mean, it's just so and using composite video sync is not a problem, but just shield that one line. Nope. That's why you get the weird diagonal bars over it. I mean, and and they were the same company that did the Warrior 64 that I like I what. All right. Let me try to politically correct this one. So I, I messaged them and said, hey, this thing looks awesome, but um you got to get a bunch of things right, otherwise you're basically going to be stealing people's money. A bunch of people are here to help. There's oh, some yeah, open yeah. source designs that are out. Yes. Uh, would you like it? And they basically were like, well, it's already in development. We could send you one. And then I'm like, okay, but here's where I'm going to test it. Here's how I'm going to test it. Ghosted me. And then Metal Jesus, shout out, was like, hey, I got one of these pieces of crap. You want to test it? I was like, oh, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> so he tested it and... They sent it to another reviewer and were like, I don't know if it was the reviewer's idea. I don't, Young from Level Hike does not, I don't know them, but they don't right. really strike me as the type to do this. But the reviewer was like, Bob was lying. This thing is perfect. It was, a pre Bob was looking at a pre production unit and everything else. So I was like, all right, man. You want to play this game? And I tore that sucker apart. Mm -hmm. I showed why it didn't work, how it could have been better, all the mistakes they made, how you could fix it yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I followed up and had a bunch of people test their production versions, and it was mm -hmm. all the same. And Level Hike follows me and likes a lot of my posts on Twitter. Yeah, that's so <laughs> weird. Instagram. That's so weird, too. You're like, what is like, going on there? I give I a composite. Like, I give a composite cable better scores than Level Hike. The thing, yeah. here's the thing. I, 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 I shake my head to to search for a use case for level hike, and I'm thinking, okay, you want I have a couple. You want a cheap twenty? You're in a hotel room with a with a panel that does not have any other inputs except for HDMI, and you need the absolute cheapest thing to display Saturn. I don't know because you want to make sure that it's not broken or so. I don't know, like because other than that. You're killing the game. You're killing the experience. And I'm not, I hate being a gatekeeper, okay? Like, I love being, saying people enjoy things the way you want to do it, right? But if it comes at the yeah. expense of the game experience, I have to be honest with you and tell you what you're playing is not the original game. That's not how it played. So don't judge that game harshly based on the fact that there's so much lag or based on the fact that, uh, the the sound is off. That's your that's your hardware there, not the game, you know. And so that that's the thing that right. bugs me. What bugs me is that they market it as a great solution for gaming. Yeah. Like we got Knight of Dragon in here saying they need it as a cheap second device for their TV that does pop display to play two Saturns. Great. Right. Because your favorite he's, games right. are. Excuse me. If your favorite games are digital novels or uh, turn by turn RPGs. Right. It's not going to be as, you know, you're going to get some interference on the screen mm. and your audio might be reversed, but lag never matters with those games. Right. So absolutely, if you're on a budget, that's great. Or if you're somebody like the person in the chat that probably ended up with one, they said total noob over here, so I'm not going to call them out because I don't want to embarrass them. That's not the goal right, of right. this. Is, but like, if you're getting started and you know, hey, I'm on a budget, I just want to be playing on my TV now. Yeah. They're, they're great. The only problem I have is when, is that they're marketed as the mm -hmm. solution. Mm -hmm. And when you go into a mom and pop store and they're like, hey, this thing sucks. It's super cheap. Some customers will be like, oh, well, yeah, I'll try it and see. And mm -hmm. 
Others will be like, you're lying to sell a more expensive thing, or whatever, and, and some will listen. But the bottom line is, if you're talking to somebody, and there's that human interaction, it's like, okay, I get home, the games all suck. And it's like, you know, I played these. They didn't all suck. There's no way they all sucked. And then you go back to the game store, and you're like, I think you were right. Yeah. What's next? And then it's like, grab a tank, grab one of these, grab a CRT mm -hmm. off the side of the road for free, like what, whatever, right? Yeah. So that's the problem with these, you know, these online marketing is how would anybody know they were bad they unless wouldn't. somebody told them? That's the thing yeah. is most, it's like most gamers are not like us. Most gamers are not as plugged into like, all this stuff most gamers are coming to it maybe they haven't even messed around with these consoles for a long time and they're just like yeah. i need a very cheap and a f easily available entry point you know and that's probably the only thing i the the only good thing no offense that i can say about the level hike is that it's kind of like you said a gateway drug <laughs> because yeah. before the level hike we had level hike before level hike it was called a uh, this little chinese black uh scart to HDMI converter that was that's basically what it was a very very cheap and also equally crappy scar to HDMI converters and that's kind of how I got in with the Saturn originally trying to yeah. get get the Saturn to HDMI with RGB and you know so many steps later and now you know I've gone way way down the rabbit hole but I mean you know I guess you could say that was my entry point you know yeah and you know my my problem my problems with the people, not the hardware, I right. guess, because at, um, I did a video called the worst scaler in retro gaming about that scar to HDMI device, but I, I labeled it that just to draw the line immediately. Like, here's what you're getting into. But I also spent like half of that video showing everybody a bunch of really good things that you could use it for. Right. And it was designed for like DVD players and VCRs, which it does an amazing job on for the price. For that money, like if, if you really have an old RGB SCART DVD player or VCR or something, it's awesome. Right. It's just not for games. So I blame the reviewers that were too dumb to just look up what the thing was used for and mm -hmm. and do anything with lag. And but it's the the you know the level height cables, right? And yeah, I, yeah, I keep yeah. using them as an example just because we talked about it in the chat. But it's level just hikes, one name, Blaze, yeah, right? Level height's not the problem. There is one company that started all of this, and uh, what is one it? of these days the truth will come out. I don't know. I don't. Oh, okay. I'm not allowed. to the proof so i'll wait till that person wants to expose that i got a scandal or something but um but yeah but like those cables are marketed as for retro consoles right so once again the cable is meant it uses a chip meant for tv signals yeah so like you know turn by turn rpgs maybe fmv games would probably mm. be fine but yeah. not for gaming that's yeah. kind of the thing yeah um somebody's talking about the rad 2x yeah so uh, the only the only two negative things is they're impossible to get because part shortage everything else but um, and they only go to 480p mm -hmm. but one of the really awesome things is I know so many people with badass setups like BVMs that are calibrated and OSSCs that are dialed in to like the sub pixel of everything that bought an, a Rad 2X for every single console because sometimes they just need to bring their console to a friend's house right and they'd rather use it in only 480p right. with zero lag mm -hmm. and one plug to plug in and nothing else so yeah. uh, i try to always be clear that like the rad 2x's depending on how you look at them are either absolutely amazing and everything you can ask for or like 
I could be better, but you got to put that into context, right? Yeah. Plugging just a plug and play solution with zero lag mm-hmm. that processes the imaging correctly is yeah. amazing. It's just not as sharp. So. It's kind of like looking at, uh, it's kind of like scrolling Stone Age Gamer and looking at Crick's carts, you know? And I'm just like, well, these are all amazing, but like, do I spend $80 or do I spend $300? <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, yeah. there are different levels of, of awesome, you know? And I mean, like, the, the Rad 2X actually yeah. works really great for a bunch of people, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Crix carts are cool too because it's like, do you already have a Sega CD? Do you right. really just want to use the discs you own? Get an X5. They're they're freaking cheap yeah. and awesome. And they're right in the middle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you want everything? Get the X7 or or the the Terra Onion one is good too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, they each have the thing that's like a little bit better than the other for right. certain things. And the only one for me personally, and you know, I don't want to offend the N64 community, but the more expensive one just doesn't make sense unless you're a hardcore N64 fan. Yeah. Because it just it doesn't really give that much of a difference. It's kind of so, a placebo if you don't use it. It's just kind of like a, you know, yeah. you feel like you got yeah. the best one, but then it's going to be superseded anyway. So, you know, you might as well just get the one that is, is right down the middle and, and it makes the most sense for most people, you know. But yeah, like you yeah. said, if you are an Uber 64 fan, then you just go whole hog because that's the one you're going to get anyway. But yeah, I know I'm I'm the guy like kind of like sitting there trying to make a decision between like middle of the road and like just going all out uh, because I don't want it to be, you know, I want it to be future proof, you know. Right. Funny. Danthrax. Sorry, Danthrax. Going to call you out on this one. Uh, hooked up via composite directly to their 58 inch 4K TV. <laughs> Um, so here's the problem. Every wow. single flat panel TV I've ever measured has like five times the lag from the analog inputs. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's three times the lag, but whatever yeah. else. And it, it doesn't make sense because analog to digital converters should be zero lag. But if you take a TV and you put composite video 240p into the composite jack, most of them are over 100 milliseconds of lag. In game mode, of course, all processing turned off. Yeah, yeah. Take that same 240p signal and you even put it through like a tink in pass through mode. So it's in HDMI, but it's still 240p. It's like. 18 milliseconds lag perfectly reasonable totally good gaming experience so um you might want to buy anything on the market (laughs) anything on the market to get that lag down i know yeah Yeah. because you you want to yeah you really want to process it before it even hits your your panel at all i mean once again if you're playing turn by turn rpgs or if you're doing those awesome visual novels then what i just said is useless but if you're playing anything where the button that you press has very importance to what's going on yeah. on screen that yeah don't don't do that i know danthrax well, is not teasing you danthrax i'm a fan yeah. of the stuff that you work on i'm just trying to help you out man this mm-hmm. is uh you know i'm in the trenches with this stuff trying to help people dig, dig themselves out of it there's definitely there's different kinds of fans though for sure it's like there's us that like uh, you know, we... Wait, hold on. Dandrix, they're feeling attacked. They do own several CRTs. They're just not in their living room. All right, well, then, <laughs> then you've won. That, then that's how you do it when you're in your living room. So, sorry, Dandrix. Yeah. <laughs> Continue, yeah. dude. Sorry. Well, no, I was just saying, like, uh, I know that there are, there are those who we, you know we stress over every little pixel, every, every little frame of lag, and then there's other folks that are just like, 
really couldn't care less because they're just more about like the development side of things and it's like all they care about is like working with some graphics library or something like that you know and it's like they're they they think of they think of the actual console and the tv as more of like a burden or <laughs> like a oh i have to you know i oh because they're mostly like working on an emulator you know and then it's like okay i actually have to like build this and put it on this console to make sure it actually works on the darn console you know so uh you know it's just yeah. funny how people think of things differently and there's a lot of different types of gamers out there so i do recognize that uh, there are those who just like go straight composite into their into their lcd and just say you know whatever uh but yeah like like bob said you could almost get anything and it would be better than that you know and and that's the thing is yeah. it's the ignorance uh and i don't mean that in a bad way the whole ignorance is bliss kind of thing it's like if you don't know you don't Real, you won't really know until you see what's better, and then you're just your mind will be blown. You'll be like, "Oh my god, this whole time I could have been it could have been looking like that," you know. Which is, which is, yeah. I will say, those level height cables for people who who don't know and they see them the first time, they, they see the RGB, you know, and they're and they are like, "Wow, I've never seen Saturn look so good in in terms of the colors," you know, because RGB on is the RGB. Title screen, they look beautiful. Yes, on the title screen, exactly. You know, but that's that's where, and I think that I think that some people they they're like, okay, okay, that's cool. And I mean, if they're already used to the lag of a LCD with composite, then you know maybe they don't they don't notice. But but yeah, you know whose fault this honestly is, and I'm not kidding at all. <laughs> okay, who's TV manufacturers? Oh yeah, yeah. Because if you think about it, what devices would continue to be supported when VCRs and DVD players start to get phased out? Video games. Video games, yeah. So why does nobody not know that? Why Why does nobody pay attention to that? And that's, you know, a, a yeah. lot of my friends have reached out to, you know, and reached out in the right ways to these companies, and they don't ever get responses. And right. it's, it's just the weirdest thing in the world. You know, if any, especially if a company like LG that makes those amazing OLEDs, mm -hmm. if they ever advertised a retro gaming compatible TV, do you mm -hmm. have any idea how many they would sell? Right. Even... They would even sell them to people who like the idea of maybe getting into retro gaming and never freaking do. Like, right. they, they would absolutely, like, and they I mean, could tack on an extra 200 bucks to the same damn TV, and, and it that's doesn't why, cost anything, too. That's the other part. That's why MyComSoft and, and the FrameMeister was so important for its time, you know, because it was pretty much the only company that was paying attention to the gamers, you know? And, and, and you know, there were, there were several devices, like Fudo would point out, that could handle 240p correctly, but then again, with varying results, you know? MyComSoft was really, like, game-focused because it's a Japanese company, yeah. and they had a pedigree of, you know, creating game peripherals and stuff like that. So it was like they really had that focus to begin with. Now, fast-forward several years, and we got, like, Mike Chi, we got we got the OSSC, you know, Marcus, and and now there's these game focused devices that really hone in on. Uh, and they probably be terrible for video. <laughs> be terrible yeah. for you know DVDs, but they're great for you know that like yeah, sharp stable. scaling versus smooth sailing, yeah. scaling and all that stuff. Absolutely. All right, so look, nine percent alcohol just hit me like, uh, yes. like a nine year old. So uh, we need to wrap let's the take stream. Some questions from the chat. Oh yeah, and I will be right back. Let's get some questions uh, and a uh, large man, little bladder. Be right back. <laughs> large man, little bladder. Yeah, actually, we are over time for the stream anyway, so uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll go ahead and field some questions and we'll wrap it up i just want to remind everybody while while bob's gone to the bathroom that that uh k a murder of crows will be streaming uh malenko's uh fire pro s six-man scramble uh, at 6 p.m pacific 
That's 9 p.m. Eastern, and uh, and he'll be going through just everything there is to know about like what made that uh, what made that patch and uh, what made it great, you know, from from last time and everything like that. And then and then you'll have Pat doing the streamathon tonight for five hours. He's starting at 7 p.m. Pacific. 10 p.m. Eastern and going, you know, five hours or I guess whenever it stops, <laughs> whenever they're done, you know, he and he's going to have several of uh, the developers in the homebrew uh, community on with him talking about, you know, patches, original games and everything like that. So uh, Night, of Night of Dragon asks 10. Uh, so as my understanding, it was 7 p.m. Pacific. No, no, no. It wasn't a question. Oh, OK. <laughs> All right. 10 till when? I gotcha. Okay. Uh, that, that wasn't a question. That was 10 till when? Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, so just join Pat at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, and he'll be doing the Super Bowl Streamathon, Super Saturn Bowl Streamathon, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, and um, I'm sure that uh, I'm going to probably be listening to the VOD on that, <laughs> because I'm probably uh, going to be, you know, asleep during most of it. <laughs> but anyway, you know, kudos to Pat for uh, for taking that bullet, and he did an amazing job last year, and I think he's going to do an amazing job this year as well. We got Bob back. Sorry, large nope. man, small bladder. Everybody's always made fun of me for that, but uh, I deserve. Hey, I get it. <laughs> I'm actually holding mine right now. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, we were just reminding folks to tune in at 7 p.m. for the streamathon. Um, Pat's going to be playing a load of original games from the community and patches and i'm not sure which ones he's going to start on first it'll probably depend on what developers are in the chat at the time but anyway uh you guys well, look uh, i don't mean to be disrespectful but there are 40 people walking watching and only 20 likes <laughs> i know sure right but everybody step up i actually forget all the time on all of my friends if it wasn't for somebody who mentioned that before i would have <laughs> never mentioned it so yeah uh, i don't know if the likes actually do anything but hey it's let's throw it's, out the thumbs up absolutely and, uh, yeah like the stream share it out um and, and that can help and you know i i definitely let's field a few more questions and then let's wrap this because we're actually like over time for a normal shiro show but it's totally oh, fine we? Yeah, I, we usually go an hour, but you know, since I had you on and we were having a good conversation, I didn't want to end it. <laughs> but oh, I do. Sorry, I just, we yeah, do flow uh, really naturally. So. No, yeah, absolutely. That's why I was just like, you know, we're just gonna keep going. Um, but yeah, let's let's a answer a few more questions, and then I'm going to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters and uh, roll credits. Uh, okay. Well, Ray wants to know if there's anything cheap or reasonable for 720p for Saturn to HDMI. Um, not really. So it's you can get 480p from a, uh, a Rad 2x, and depending on your model Saturn, you might need to like break the tab and uh, use a USB power. There's a couple that have weird power issues with the multi out, but it's zero lag and it looks totally fine. Um, the other thing that you could do is just get um, uh, you could get one of the like an OSSC. You can get them used for pretty cheap, um, but the only thing I would suggest is either buy them used and, and hope that you get a good one, or buy it direct from Video Game Perfection, because there's a bunch of OSSC clones. I hate to say clone because it is mm -hmm. an open project, but they're very low quality, and a lot of people have had trouble. They can't update them. They, they just right. break after a week or something. So, you know, um, 
I really am. I'm working with a whole bunch of people, and I'm trying to get devices out that are exactly what you're looking for, but it's a trade-off. Do you want zero lag and process totally fine, um, but 480p, or do you want 1080p, but you're going to spend a little bit more money? But you could use one of those scalers with multiple consoles. So it actually, if you bought a RetroTank 5X even, the $300 one, and you had 10 consoles to connect, that's actually much cheaper than buying a cable for every one of them. So Yeah, NeoZ we'll brings see. up the GBS. I know those were, like, decent. They, I, well, yeah, decent. I think is a fair word. Here's the thing. GBS control is freaking awesome, but there's a but. If you could mod then holy crap, what a cheap and amazing solution. Yeah, there's some interference because it keeps everything in the analog realm and you got to go to to digital, but there's no lag. There's so many freaking features on it. Mm -hmm. Rama did a brilliant job, but if you can't mod, that's the issue. You got to find somebody that can do it for you. Um, And all of the really good ones out there are always sold out because they go so quickly. And that's the only reason I don't say that first for people on a budget. It's not the hardest thing in the world to work on, but if you've never soldered anything before, it's like, that would be a nightmare. It would be, you'd have to do it three times before you got it right. And it's just one of those things. Or or you can get lucky, I guess. But I think that is like the... I think those is like the go-to for like arcade operators that are trying to like slam those into a a cab with an LCD. But then why would you do that as an arcade operator? You know? Yeah. It's basically anybody that could, anybody that's worked with Arduino and can solder will take one of those and go, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people call it the OSSC killer, which is definitely wrong. (laughs) But If you take price into consideration, thirty yeah. bucks if you can solder it yourself versus anything over thirty. Right. It's like, yeah, it's I totally understand it. And and holy crap, if you're going to a, a VGA monitor like like mm-hmm. how you do it, mm-hmm. going through a GBSC is like it's all in the analog domain anyway. Right. So it's but then you've got the cost of the monitor. So consider that, you know. But I mean, you know, if you can find a if you can find a good like, I don't know, nineteen inch CRT or or, or dare i say 22 inch but if you can find like a good 19 inch uh pc crt there you go and for cheap i don't know somebody might not know what they have it it, you know we're we're getting on into that area where it's like forget it about pvms or bvms everybody's gonna have their asking price but um but with with pc crts it's like people are kind of coming around uh but uh, it just depends on what city you live in and whether you're on craigslist or offer up or something you might find somebody getting rid of one uh, maybe a hospital, maybe maybe a private uh, private electronic sector where they're just uh, upgrading everything to LCDs, and they might be getting rid of one. I would just say, you know, keep your eye, keep your ear to the ground, and just see what you can find. But yeah. But overall, honestly, though, if if somebody is on a budget getting into this, and you could solder GBS number one, mm-hmm. if you can't, just seriously consider any CRT at all. Yes. If you yes. live in a big city, if you're in the middle of Manhattan. You're stuck with, you can't use RF, it's unusable, right. but even slightly out in the burbs like I am now, RF mm-hmm. looks exactly like composite. If you're in the middle of a big city, get at mm-hmm. least composite, but you can still find them free everywhere. Just don't don't pay attention to the scumbag selling, you know, the basic right. ass TV for retro gaming, $300, like, yeah, I you should You like, should search, <laughs> you should search TV, not CRT, a lot of, a lot of folks with it. They don't know what they have. They're not going to use the word CRT. They're going to use TV or old tube TV and just 
put a minus and gamer gaming because you don't want those folks who are just like this is a gaming tv it's 250 bucks you know um right. you can get a good sony trinitron still and the thing is or i mean it doesn't have to be a trinitron it could be a towel you know it could be a d series um but Anything, the, po yeah. the point is you can get a nice like 20 inch or you know 32 inch uh gaming sorry not gaming tv but crt with s video and you'll love it like you get an, a saturn s video cable you do s video or even component you're gonna love it and you're gonna get a, a lot more quality than what you would have to shell out for in order to get that kind of quality on a flat panel you know so that's the thing yeah. you know and and the yeah. speakers in a lot of those tvs are actually pretty good too absolutely and you know as long as you have the room and remember 13 inch tvs this big yeah um respectfully it's probably gonna look better through composite than 480p on a 4k flat panel maybe even 720 yeah, yeah. Uh, depending on what you know if you have a really cheap lcd like the one i use in all my videos just to prove how how you can make a cheap lcd look decent but a cheap ghosting lcd versus even in 1080p versus a basic ass crt and composite right crt wins yeah. Hey, I just want to try real quick about the, the CRT stuff. If you're looking for good, uh, trying to find good deals on like CRTs and PVMs, uh, go to a post, go, there's some uh, states have post-production, like lists of post-production studios and e-cycling. Mm. Just send out mass mm. emails and usually some of them will apply. They'll have some of they won't. So I've gotten about three or four PVMs doing that and it's and pretty decently priced. Nice. For what the going rate is, so I would highly recommend that. I just wanted to chime in real quick. I'm gonna go back to producing real quick. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a good tip. Yeah. You could go uh, knocking. The one thing yeah. I just wanted to address to Jen Kidroid. Jen Kid Droid. Genki Droid. Sorry. Janky Droid. Okay. Uh, said, what about like a Bang and Olufsen MX4002? Um, some TVs past a certain point. Uh, weren't just basic 15 kilohertz TVs. Right. So any 100 kilohertz, any HD ED TVs. Yeah, those are all hit or miss. Uh, right. I have one sitting right there that is zero lag. It does 240p wrong. Mm -hmm. That just means from PS2 and Dreamcast on, it's in GameCube, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but that depends on the TV. You have to test it to make sure. Yeah. So that could be a ridiculous, holy crap, amazing TV, or yeah. it could be only good for PS2, or only good for Dreamcast, or right. um, you got to test it. So if it can, it can accept 480p or higher. Mm, you just got to be careful. Yeah, a lot but, of yeah. those, a lot of those Vegas with component inputs, the Sony, the later Sony Vegas, the especially the widescreen ones had mm. processing built in and it wasn't very good it was like early processing two to three frames of lag and everything was scaled to 1080i yes and if you think about it from the time that means it takes every 480i tv broadcast and every right. 480i dvd and right. scales it to 1080i that's mm -hmm. amazing and brilliant right. and holy crap that's great right. but in the context of video games it's like well, right. that's terrible <laughs> I know. unless you're playing ps2 and then it's probably fine so it would be a great ps2 tv you know like gran turismo 4 and 1080i or uh you know any 480p title you know force 480p on that because it could do it over component um you'd have something that looks really nice but yeah it it, it handles the 240p games pretty bad it's almost yeah. and it's a shame too because it's a cr it's a it's a tube crt but it, like the result is still the same you know it's just going on a flat panel you know 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, at the end of the day, the only TV I would t- the only CRT I would tell you not to buy is one with burn-in or is one that's so dim that you can barely see it and you can't mm-hmm. and the brightness is already up. Every every other one of them will have a use and if it's the mm-hmm. only thing available to you, grab it and work from there. So Yeah. It tends to be if if you're looking at CRTs even late Sony's, if you find a 4x3 it usually is, you know, 240 handles 240p just right. If you find anything that's like 16 by 9, usually that was like when they started adding, you know, the the uh, interlaced, uh, deinterlacing and the and the scaling and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, last night I played Thunder in Paradise on a 13-inch Toshiba CRT. It was just a basic consumer mm-hmm. TV, one of the ones the DVD player built mm-hmm. in. And it looked amazing. Yeah. The composite video blended that low-quality FMV together to just make it look neat. It mm-hmm. looked like an over-the-air broadcast. It was awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Another thing I will say, though, is that if you do have a TV like that, a lot of them did, a lot of those late Sony CRTs did have uh, HDMI inputs. And DVD, because of all the newer scalers that are coming out, DVD edges are getting cheaper. In fact, I think Kay is trying to offload his. He's trying to sell his. They just don't go for what they used to. And DVD Edge originally came out as a solution to, you know, deinterlacing and scaling DVDs, you know, to make them look good for like the newer flat panels and stuff. And it does handle 240p correctly. So you can get something like that for relatively cheap and plug that into uh, one of those later CRTs. There's a lot of stuff you can do. But I mean, nowadays it's just easier to go get like a two a rad 2x, you know, because you'd still be gr- you'd still be looking good with 240p. You know, or sorry, 480, 480p. Yeah, 480p. Uh, line doubles, uh, too. James Oliver said the AV5 and some early Avant models uh, can play Philips CDI games, and some of them have a what? VCR built in. Wow. Yeah, all right. I'm sorry. We need to just hold freak up for a minute. <laughs> so there's a CRT that has a VCR built in and a DVD player that could also play CDI games. If you wow. help from wrestling with gaming doesn't have one of these, the world is going to end. The we world's going to end. He's got to get, get one. one of those. Yeah, he's got to get one so he can make a documentary on it <laughs> or do a Bale stream Vision in the bathroom. One? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we're, we're, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, you know, if there's, um, if there's any... If there's anything I could tell you to watch of mine, which is funny because I make zero dollars off of any of it, just go to sure. my Twitter account and look for it's hashtag CDI exterminator, like exterminator, EX terminator. Yeah. That video that Yahel and I did with Ronnie um, and Kendall, my friend of drums, uh, a ridiculously good drummer, uh, and my buddy Mark from Answer Infinity mixed it. Like, that's my favorite thing I've ever done because we took the Terminator soundtrack and we somehow made it about being angry at this Philips CDI. And we got Jimmy Hoppe in there doing the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger and some badass metal version of the Terminator theme song. Yeah, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. my favorite thing I've ever done. So, uh, yeah, go definitely go check that out because uh, I'm oddly a of the cdi for whatever reason so yeah cool well we gotta wrap i got I, we actually do have to wrap on this stream because i gotta i gotta jump uh, but i do want to no. uh, thank all of our ten dollar patreon supporters uh i want to thank blue moon 95 tanuki trev shadow mask thank you man derek a team super dimension century orgus and Ian Keg, thank you all for supporting us at the $10 level. We really appreciate you guys. And thank you to all of our other Patreon supporters. Your names show up in the credits. But if you guys want to be shouted on the show, then uh, you can always uh, support us at the $10 level, and we'll shout you on the show. 
we really appreciate everyone who even gives a dollar. You know, it means a lot to us. It helps us support the podcast. It helps us host the website. Uh, helps us do all this awesome stuff, and we really appreciate you guys. Thanks, Bob, for giving us your time. I know you're super busy, and you kind of like pack no, your schedule. I, I want to thank your Patreon supporters, supporters <laughs> for a moment as well, because honestly, like it, the supporting at the lowest level yeah. makes a difference. So. Thank you, because I want to. I want to see Shiro continue. I want to see all the cool stuff they do. Yes, uh, and you know, there's going to come a point where that's not going to happen without you. So, yeah. thank you to all of you. Uh, thank you for enabling these wonderful people to make Saturn content that I'm going to enjoy and, and and love and hopefully be a part of sometime. So, thank you for having me on. Thank you to the Patreon supporters for allowing me to be on here at all. And um, and and Pat. Good luck, man. That's a long stream in the middle of the night. Good luck to you. I'll I'll, I'll tune in a couple of times and see how you're doing. Yeah, same. And uh, yeah, no, as Bob said, thank you to all of our supporters. If you can't support, that's totally fine. Join our Discord. Just engage in the community. You know, contribute in the in the discussion. And you can always go to uh, com and support us by buying a shirt or a hoodie. Um, you can share the stream. That's a huge way to, uh, to support us. Share it with your friends, family, people on Facebook, people on Twitter. Uh, it, it all and helps. share the Patreon link yes. if you're not in a position to support just yeah. tweet out, yell out when you're. If you see somebody with a Sega Saturn in their hands, be like, "Do you support Sega Saturn Shiro on Patreon?" Like, talk telling your friends is is almost as important as supporting itself. So if you're not in a position, you get it. But like, tell absolutely, your absolutely. And until next time, uh, this is just Saturn Dave and Bob from Retro RGB reminding you that you must play Sega Saturn. And peace out.